two middle school girls enter a basement, and three come out. And then we go house hunting with a young couple trying to buy their first home. They've looked all over the area, and they've surprisingly found a very nice home right in their price range. But from the second they pull up to check this house out, they realize something's wrong. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day, too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing, rolling around in the grass, getting all itchy. I'm not, I'm not going to judge. Maybe that's your weirdo fetish. But uh, someone who doesn't have that fetish, I'm assuming I don't think anyone has a grass fetish, coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our legacy Patreons, longtime supporter of the show. Give it up for Matt Sprinkle. We're giving him a round of applause. He's brushing the grass off of his shoulders. He's like, oh man, they found my secret shame. Matt, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out so much. Matt, I'm going to go ahead and toss you a little train engineer uniform. You got a special little whistle. We're taking a journey on the Carpenter Caboose. We're going down the rail line all the way out to a middle school. As the train's going by, Matt's looking at all the grass out the window. He's like, oh, that looks so fresh. If only I didn't have to ride this train, I could just roll around in the grass. Well, you do because you're our captain or engineer, whatever it is on a train. And we're pulling up outside of this middle school. Now, I found this story online. We don't have a location of where this middle school actually is. It would be interesting to investigate this phenomenon or not. Depends on how terrifying you want your afternoon to be, most people. Zero, right? Most people don't want a terrifying afternoon. We do have a year, though. The year is 2017. And there's two 8th grade girls. Now, this girl online, she goes by the name Fabulous Caramel 335 But we're going to call you Rebecca. And if that's your real name, it's just a guess. We have Rebecca, and then we have her friend Michelle. And both of these girls are in 8th grade. The year is 2017. At this particular middle school, the art classes are taught in the basement. And it, the way that Rebecca laid it out, she said it's a it's a very long basement. It doesn't the art class doesn't take up the whole basement, just a portion of it. So when you have to go to class, she says you descend down the stairs and now you're walking underneath the school and she says there are these patches of darkness as you're moving towards the art class. Doesn't seem like it's the safest. Maybe it is. Definitely seems like it's this extra spooky way. Basements are already scary enough. And now the teachers are like, and if you really, really love art, you you will go through this journey of darkness to reach us. So you have to walk down the stairs. You walk down this long basement and you see the art class in the horizon. I don't actually know if it's that far. It's on the curvature of the earth, but it's far away. So... It's creepy. And all, everyone knows that it's creepy. Everybody knows that it's creepy. So when Rebecca and Michelle, they get there early, they're getting to the art class early. They're like, oh, man, this is, super, this is extra spooky. It's just us two eighth grade girls. And Rebecca goes, you know what? Hey, Michelle, I got to pee. And will you here? Hold my hold my art supplies. I'm going to go pee. And will you stand outside the bathroom? Because and Michelle goes, because we're in a spooky basement. And Rebecca says, yes, because we're in a spooky basement. So. Rebecca hands Michelle her books and she goes to the bathroom. 
After a period of time, Rebecca's done. She flushes the toilet. She washes her hands. Hopefully, she didn't include those details, but I'm assuming she's a civilized human. And then she walks out of the girl's bathroom. And she's completely alone in the basement. And she's immediately mad. This is what she was trying to avoid. She's now standing alone in this room of intermittent light. This basement that's buried underneath the soil. All of that life above you. Basements are just intrinsically not a fun place to be. And now Rebecca's all alone. And she's pissed at Michelle for leaving her here. And she looks. And Rebecca sees her books and her art supplies laying on the ground next to the bathroom door. And then she sees, walking away from the bathroom, at quite a distance at this point, Michelle. Michelle is just walking away, and she's actually walking past the art room class, past that area. She's walking to a second set of stairs. And Rebecca's like, hey, Michelle, hey, Michelle, why did you leave the bathroom? And Michelle's just continuing to walk. Michelle! What's... <laughs> Michelle! Rebecca starts to follow her. And then starts to pick up the pace, and she's now in basically a jog towards Michelle, who's making her way up the stairs to leave the basement. And she's so mad Michelle left her at the bathroom, that Michelle left her supplies there, that Michelle's ignoring her. She's continuing to shout the name Michelle when she feels a hand on her shoulder. She spins around, and standing there is Michelle. Rebecca immediately looks back to the staircase where she saw Michelle walking up. There's nobody there. And then she turns back and she's staring at her friend Michelle. But that's not the end of the story. A doppelganger story, as fun as they are, we see a lot of them. This story continues. Rebecca's looking at Michelle and she's flabbergasted. She's like, Michelle, what are you doing here? I just saw you walking up the stairs. Like, how did you get behind me so quickly? And Michelle said, what? No, no, I wasn't walking over there. I was following you because you were yelling my name that way. You were yelling my name the opposite way that I was. And I was walking behind you and I saw you. I didn't know what you were doing. You kept saying, Michelle, 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 but you're facing this way. I was behind you the whole time. And then Rebecca goes, well, okay, listen, I don't know what that was. That's super creepy. Let's get out of the basement. But I'm also a little pissed at you because I told you I was going to the bathroom to hold my art supplies and wait for me. None. I don't know what's going on here. I'm super unsettled. Why didn't you wait for me outside of the bathroom? And Michelle looks at Rebecca and says, that didn't happen either. I had to go pee. And I asked you to stand outside that door. It's easy to categorize this as a doppelganger story if I had stopped in the middle of it. And we see a lot of doppelganger stories. We see a lot of stories where people are seeing doubles and other voices that are perfectly imitating other people's voice and stuff like that. We've covered that quite a few times on this show. But it's more than that. The fact that you have almost this split in the timelines, because basically we're having two young women both giving us different versions of events. They're saying that... In their world, they were the one to go to the bathroom. The other girl was supposed to stay outside. Like, how do you even wrap your head around that one? Like, that de that's the added detail that just elevates us to true high strangeness. Rebecca enters the bathroom. Michelle's waiting outside. 
Michelle's entering the bathroom. Rebecca's remaining outside. But both of them exited the bathroom and both of them ended up... Who ended up in what world? And who was the Michelle walking away? Some people online were saying maybe that was a demon. And while that's possible, or skinwalker or some sort of phenomenon, I don't think it's that. I think actually the more interesting thing isn't the Michelle that walks away. It's the fact that they both entered the bathroom and their realities merged in some way. The question for those young girls is which one moved to a different universe? Because they both didn't go to the bathroom. We know that for... I'm spending an uncomfortable amount of time talking about 8th grade girls going to the bathroom, but they both entered these rooms, and when they came out, one of them shifted somewhere else. And honestly, if I had to... Because we have the, we do have the doppelganger of Michelle, I'm almost thinking that Michelle shifted into Rebecca's reality. But who knows? A, a terrifying story. And again, I love these stories that take place... The basement is not a mundane location. It's very spooky, but... It's during the day. It's during school. You have this event where realities converge. And both girls swear, no, you were supposed to stay outside and I was going to the bathroom. And now one of them is not home. In one of these realities, either Michelle or Rebecca has gone missing. Young girl goes into the bathroom, never comes out. Like, how would you ever solve that mystery? But it's funny because we do have true life mysteries like that. We do have true life mysteries where people enter. There's that one famous one where a guy went into a bar and never came out. Never, ever came out. They think maybe he like fell into a construction site next door. Because apparently it was baby's day out. And he was walking around giant steel girders. I'll put, I'll put the mystery in the show notes. It's a pretty popular one. That's why I've never covered it. But you have that story. Uh, there is a story I was going to cover about a guy who entered like a U.S. embassy in another country and never came out. Now, those you could say, well, maybe, you know, the guy was in top of that episode in the show notes. I didn't do the episode, and I'll put that article in the show notes as well. But you figure maybe there's some sort of international intrigue there and stuff like that. But then you have stories like Barbara Bolick, which I did cover. It's one of my favorite cases where she's literally walking 30 seconds behind another hiker, and he turns around and she's gone. They've never found her. This is a not like a missing 411. This is a real-life police investigation case. They've been looking for this woman for years. Case. No blood, no struggle, no sound. She vanished. So people do just disappear in odd locations. And is that what happened? Was this just a quirk and the glitch and memories were kind of reset? Was it just doppelgangers? Was it a ghost type of situation? That's easily explainable? Or did someone leave their reality and come here? One of those two girls is in our reality now. But in their reality, a young girl walked into the bathroom while her friend sat outside waiting and waiting and waiting. And then finally went in the room and it was empty. Truly a mystery, but a mystery for another reality to solve. Matt, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind this middle school. We are headed all the way out to Ontario, Canada.
And as we're headed out there, I want to do a really, really quick Dead Rabbit Recommends. I actually did this on Monday's episode. I had to cut it for time, so I want to fit it in now because I really implore you guys to watch this movie. It's brilliant, and it is right up the Dead Rabbit Radio alley of movies. It's called The Northman. It's out of theaters right now. If you can support it in the theaters, that's fantastic. It's kind of like a classic revenge story. This guy's dad is killed. It takes place in old Viking times, like the 600 AD era. The story is a little boy witnesses his dad being murdered. And the boy then swears revenge on the father's killer. That's really the plot of the movie. And we've seen that plot a hundred times. And it's been interesting a hundred times, right? It's a really interesting plot. When I went to go see this movie, though, I did not know how... It's a fantasy film. It is 100% a fantasy movie, and the pagan gods of old are main characters in the movie. It's not, it's not like Clash of the Titans, where Odin's sitting on a cloud and being like, I must help. But the movie makes it very clear very early on. It's not like someone goes, show me a sign, Odin, and then like a lightning bolt strikes something, and it could be Odin or not. No. They're basically like praying to gods. Things immediately happen in very magical ways. It's dope. dude. It's very, very good. It's a beautiful looking film. It's very brutal. It's completely unforgiving for that time error, how brutal people were towards each other. So it's a great revenge thriller and a completely supernatural movie at the same time. There's stuff that starts to happen in the movie where you go, did he have the time to do that? Or was that, wasn't that an ancient pagan demon who tied a woman up with another man's human intestines? I don't know, maybe, maybe he had the time to do that. It's really good. It's dope. Like, And as the movie progresses, it just gets more and more fantastical. So the ending is so mythological, like the very, like the way the story culminates to me was so mythological and so symbolic that as I was watching it in the theater, I thought if I had to visually show you how the world ends, it would be this scene. Like it's just shot in such a way that you're like, the this is a story of the last two nations, the last two people on earth fighting over the ruins of a nuclear wasteland. That's what that last scene felt like. It was so it was so powerful. So check it out. Dead Rabbit Radio highly recommends you watch The Northman. It's a great movie. And if you can see it in the theater and if you can support this type of cinema, all the better. All the better. I'm a fan of I'm going to go see Doctor Strange. I'm going to see Doctor Strange this week. I'm a fan of Marvel movies and comic book movies, but we also need to support non-comic book movies. Otherwise, we're just going to get Jonah Hex and R.I.P.D. until our eyes fall out, and nobody wants that. Matt, go ahead and land this car. He's wearing his R.I.P.D. shirt. He's like, oh, I'm a huge Ryan Reynolds fan. Oh, I love that movie. Sorry I'm insulting all of your favorite passions, Matt. Go ahead and land this car. He's like, who the hell? What the hell is R.I.P.D.? No one remembers that movie. Go ahead and land this Carpenter Copter here in this sunny field. The year is 2021, and we're in Ontario, Canada. It's a beautiful Sunday afternoon. I found this story online. It was posted by someone going by the name of Kitten. We're going to go ahead and call you Ashley. If that's your real name, just a guess. It's not even a guess. I'm just coming up with a name then. I'll remember, which I never do. There's always long pauses I have to edit out as I was like, was her name Rebecca or Rachel? 
So Ashley is house hunting with her boyfriend. It's pretty serious. I don't think I can move in with a girlfriend. I don't think I can move in with anybody, honestly. But she's house hunting with her boyfriend, and they were look, been looking through the listings and all that stuff, and they see a photo of this beautiful home. It's this town home, three bedrooms, three baths, three big living spaces, and they're like, this looks great. And, shockingly, it's in our price range. Let's go check it out. So as Ashley and her boyfriend are driving up to the house, they see it, and it's just as beautiful as the photo showed. But... They start to notice something. There's no one else there to view the home. And Ashley said, she goes, you know, we've been house hunting for a while, and normally there is a line of people out the door waiting to get a viewing of this house. She goes, it is Sunday, so maybe there'd be less people, but for nobody to be viewing the house? But she doesn't really think anything of it. Nothing's really clicking with her just yet. So Ashley and her boyfriend, they walk into the house. The realtor's there greeting this person. Hey, what's up? And immediately Ashley's like, okay, now I see why this house is not selling. <laughs> not because the realtor's like a big ugly slob who like burp, eating all these donuts. Three donuts to view the house. That's the charge from the house troll. No, that's not why. The house was a dump, right? It looked great. The photo of the house looked great. It was very spacious, but it was it was spacious garbage, right? She said that the carpet was like sunk in the floor. The walls were yellowed and sticky. She said the cabinets were barely operational. It's just like everything that could go wrong with a house was wrong with this house. But they continue to look around because you're like, maybe we could do a fixer-upper. Maybe maybe things aren't that bad. They go upstairs. And the, upstairs the upstairs is just as bad as the bottom. I don't know why they thought, well, maybe whoever was here really did good upkeep on the upstairs. The house is just battered, right? It was just a very lived-in house plus more. It was just gross. But as they're looking around the house, Ashley starts to get a sensation of dread. And she's thinking, as this is going on, again, she's rationalizing this. When they pulled up to the house, no one wanted to view the house. She thought, well, maybe, you know, it's a Sunday. People are doing other stuff. Then she's walking around the house and she's starting to feel the sense of dread. And she goes, uh, it could be the ever-looming presence of the death that probably lingers in this house. Or it could be, I'm looking at all the repairs that would have to be made. Like this house is totally perfect for our price range, but we'd have to spend tens of thousands of dollars to just make it livable. She's talking to her boyfriend and she goes, you know what? Let's go back to the car. Let's talk about it. Let's talk this over. See what we want to go. And the realtor is probably like, it takes two donuts to leave the house. They cook two donuts and they feed the house troll. And then they leave. And they're sitting in the car. And they start talking about the house. And really, the house is like, they're like, oh, that was really disgusting. But it's such a good price and it's such a big home. They're talking about it. They, they're weighing the pros and the cons. And as Ashley's having this conversation with her boyfriend, she starts to feel depressed. But it's not just depressed. It's depression. A huge difference between the two. And she's beginning to feel wave after wave of this deep, heavy depression just splash over her soul. It's overwhelming. She gets this sensation of loss, of intense loss. 
She said, she goes, I've never lost a child in my life. But as I'm sitting in the car outside of this house, that's what this felt like. She goes, I can't even describe it any in any other way. She goes, I'm sitting there and I felt a loss that I could never comprehend. But if I had to describe it in some way, it would be, this must be what it's like for a parent to lose a child. And she goes on to say it was odd because she felt physical sensations of this depression. And this was why she was connecting it to more than, oh no, this horrible thing happened to me type of depression. She goes, I felt physically numb. My body stopped working. My hearing got muffled. My head has this buzz to it. She just feels empty. And she describes herself, normally, I'm a very happy person. And that's what made this whole process, this whole sensation even more bizarre. Because not only am I feeling the deepest loss any human could ever feel, that's what I can feel in my soul, but my mind is happy. I'm actually still in the normal mental mind space of being the happy, joyous Ashley. But my soul is empty. My body is broken. My heart is gone. As her boyfriend's <laughs> boyfriend's still talking about the pros and cons of the house, Ashley turns to him and says, I'm sorry, but I feel like crying. And begins to sob. And as she's breaking into tears and she's sitting in this car and she's just crying, she's looking at her boyfriend. Her boyfriend's looking at her and says, I feel it too. Recently, he had lost a relative. I think it was his grandfather. And he knew loss, right? Everyone knows loss. I'm sure Ashley's lost people in her life. But he, he said, that, that, as he's sitting in the car, and she goes, my boyfriend never cried. He is someone who always kept his emotions in check. But as he's sitting there next to me in the car, he goes, it feels the closest I can compare this is to when my grandpa died recently. Like, I feel like I lost someone, like, just now. I feel like a deep, soulful bond has been separated. I feel what you're feeling. I feel like we lost somebody. Let's go get something to eat. He goes, let's go get a snack. Let's, let's go clear our heads. They're still actually thinking about buying the house at this point. They're still got to work it out. It is a really good price point. It might be haunted by the ghost of sadness, but, you know good schools in the neighborhood so they drive to the supermarket and they buy a snack and she says ashley goes as we're driving away from the house i'm still sobbing and when we go to the store to buy a snack i'm not necessarily still deeply heaving <laughs> that type of thing but she goes i'm walking through the store and i felt the physical sensation of losing a child i felt my whole body felt numb she goes, this 100% must be what parents are going through when they lose a child. My body's numb. My brain is fuzzy. I can't even really hear anything. I'm just going through the motions. They leave the store. At this point, they have decided not to buy the house. At this point, they've said, this is 
there's probably something going on here. And they're driving away from the area. And she says, as we're now, we got our snacks. We're eating our snacks as we're driving away. The feelings start to dissipate, but only slightly. It's not like every mile they put between them and the house, they started to feel better. It took a full day. Ashley said it wasn't until she woke up the next morning did they feel like they were back to normal. She ends her post by saying, I don't know what was going on or what went on in the house, but I think it's safe to say that whatever it was, it did not want us to be there. When you're talking about haunted houses, you got to think of a haunted house as basically a Venus flytrap. It can't move to catch its prey. It's actually going to want you in. If it's going to feed off your energies, right? If it's a malicious entity, it wants you to come in. It's going to make sure that certain things fall into place to get the right family into that house. Can't go to its prey, so the prey has to come to it. I don't think it was sending out a message that it didn't want anyone there. I think that this house probably was infused with some really dark psychic energy. And it was almost like trying to contain this storm in a box. I'm saying that the house is putting off these shockwaves that everyone who visited it, no one stayed. And I'm wondering if it was sending off such powerful shockwaves. Remember, there weren't even people there to visit the house. I'm wondering if it sent off such powerful shockwaves that other people who are even just viewing the photo online of the house listings looked at it and went, ugh. I don't want to, I, the house is not for me. But honey, look at the price point. Nah, I'm good. Nah. They could have put their finger on it, but just by viewing the photo, the, the shockwaves could have been that powerful for, from whatever this house was emanating. Because these people visited the house, they walked around, they were probably there for about an hour. It took 24 hours for them to return to normal. So whatever this house was giving out was so powerful that... It could affect you when you weren't even in the area, is what I'm saying. Just by looking at a photograph of it, it could give you the heebie-jeebies. But these stories would end in one of two ways, right? The house never gets sold. It just sits there, starts to fall apart, becomes a nuisance. The fire department uses it as a burn house. Eventually, it's reduced to rubble. It would be a legend in the neighborhood. Don't go there. That's the house that gives you crippling depression. That's one way for the story to end. The other way is that there are people who are just aren't sensitive to these type of things. That you can take them to a location that's infused with positive energy or negative energy. And they'll just walk right through it. They can't pick up on it at all. And if they do, they just immediately brush it off as, ah, you know, faulty wiring, ah, carbon monoxide. I mean, those are important things to be aware of. But, you know, come up with legit answers. And somebody who comes in and they see this house is probably going for even less than it was in 2021. It's a steal. It's such a great deal. This young couple's not picking up on any of these cues. They're moving through the house and they're like, oh, we got to do all these repairs, but the price is so good. The price is so good, actually, that even with all the repairs, we're still getting a huge bargain. And they're talking about this house and all the stuff they're going to do for it. And the realtor's sobbing in the corner. They've been dealing with this house for so long. They've been racked with this emotional energy, but they have a job to do. And they see this young couple come in and they're so enthusiastic. And the realtor's thinking, well, just wait till you get upstairs because that must be when the depression really is going to hit you. And the couple goes upstairs and they're looking around. They're like, look at this view. This is great. And this is where we'll put the baby's room. The realtor's like, oh no, they're going to have a baby too. Oh, this sounds like a nightmare. 
But I got to sell this house. It's been sitting here all this time. And this is my job. And this young couple who don't pick up on any of the psychic cues sign the dotted line. They're going to buy it. The house has finally been sold. And part of the realtor wants to say, hey, listen, guys, I know that this seems like your dream house, but it's been on the market for a long time because of a reason. But as that contract is getting signed, the realtor realizes once this house is sold, I'm free of it. Like, it sucks that I'm offloading it on them, but if I don't sell it to them, then I have to keep coming here to try to get someone to buy it. So she watches that signature get put on the line and keeps her mouth shut. And later that night, when the realtor goes home to her own family, they're all sitting around the dinner table. And the family knows mom's a little more quiet than usual. And her husband says, how was work today, honey? How did it go? And the mom just sits there and kind of plays with her food with her fork. And says, I sold the house today. Dinner table falls silent. Everyone in that family knows exactly what house she's talking about. And everyone in that family knows that while that means that mom will now no longer have to go to this house, that something worse has happened. While their mom would have to visit it on occasion, now a family would be living in that house. A family that had no idea they just purchased a Venus flytrap. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.